0: Good morning everyone. Today is august twenty third a Thursday and it is eight twelve in the morning. I am a little bit later starting today on the podcast, though I did start very early. I did not get drunk up for my birthday yesterday. I had a couple drinks, but that's all. Um, I've actually been up since pretty early, but I've been doing businessy type things this morning because today we are unveiling the new cover of Shooting Star. Uh, and that is up on Jen Twimom's blog. That's what I'm talking about. And I'll put a link to that. And then it'll be up in other places too. So um, I did do a story on the blog for Jen on why I changed the cover. Um... But, you know, basically it just wasn't selling the book. It wasn't transmitting genre. And that's one of the things that I think, I don't know, a lot of self-publishing writers figured out before, not before trad publishing did, but they figured it out because they were in the position of being in the same chair as a publisher. Because when you self-publish, you are both the writer and the publisher, right? Mm, First sip, so good so when writers, I would say, you know, writers in general first get their books published, they, um, they dream of what the cover will be like. They dream of seeing their characters brought to full color life. Um, sometimes, you know, you have very particular ideas of how, like, your hero or heroine will look. And, um, Inevitably, you're disappointed because it never looks like things do in your head. But then there's also the aspect of that the cover of a book, its primary job is not to illuminate the story, which is a frequent misperception. I have to give the crows some water here. Hopefully that won't be too loud. We've got tons of rain yesterday, but the crows are under the portal, so it's kind of ironic that they have to have their little extra dose of water. So, when I was a reader growing up, I remember often like reading the story and going back and looking at the cover. Especially if I thought the cover was like of a particular scene and I would Scrutinize the characters faces, you know for that illumination. I was looking for that illumination in the story and I don't know maybe maybe in another era, although I doubt it uh, That was the job of the cover to illuminate the story, but really the job of the cover is almost inarguably to transmit what the book is about. Even if you want to take out the whole idea of, you know, selling, you know, if we don't want to have to talk about marketing and that kind of thing, uh, (laughs) the cover is still what you look at when you pick up the book. You might see the title on the spine and the title tells you a lot too, but the cover is what it helps you know what the book is about it entices you it gives you an idea of the kind of story you would be getting into so while my cover for shooting star was exactly what I envisioned and it in some ways did illuminate the story it was a, a marketing mistake on my part which is no surprise because I am NOT the marketing queen by any stretch um, And it failed to transmit genre. In fact, it transmitted an entirely different genre than what it is. (laughs) So, I am looking forward to seeing if this new cover um, does a better job. And I hope that you all will check it out and let me know what you think. So, I had to take care of a few things like that this morning. Um, Amazon is funny with the keywords because I hadn't realized before that um, somehow it got slotted into military romance on Amazon. And and I was kind of, David is the one who uploads a lot of stuff, and I'm like, why is this a military romance? And he says, it's been there from the beginning. And I'm like, yes, but this doesn't answer the question of why. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, well, because of the keywords. And I'm like, well, why did we choose military romance It's keywords and it turns out we didn't um, we did have in there army vet and service dog and amputee, all of which are true and accurate, and that is um, an an important part of the story in some ways because the hero is a you know did lose a leg in the war and had some traumatic brain injury and he's back home. But uh, I just wouldn't call it a military romance. And so I said to David, David says, I this should be under rock star romance. And he grumpily says there is no rock star romance. And I'm like, what? Because in the romance community, everybody knows what a rock star romance is, right? Well, he is, of course, correct. There is no rock star romance on Amazon. And the uh, military romance got assigned entirely because I said it was... because it had, like, army vet in there. I guess if you put army in your keywords, then it automatically goes to military romance. So there you are. So I don't think I can get it out of military romance unless I take that out entirely. And then it's just like in plain contemporary... But you know, I'm contemplating maybe that would be better. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, So anyway, I don't really like doing businessy things in the morning before I write, but those needed to be done with that stuff going up today. And I didn't podcast yesterday because it was my birthday. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You all said happy birthday to me in many places online. It was a really lovely day. Um, I did work. I thought about doing a podcast and thought about doing some sort of, you know, reflective birthday post, which seems like that would be, I'm deciding my neckline's too high, I'm going to move this mic down, there we go, Uh, you know, it seemed like a, a good thing to do, you know, like, oh, every year I will do a reflective post on my birthday and sum up the year and where I've been and what's happened and all that. And then I kind of thought, ah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have this friend, this was back in Laramie, Wyoming, um, and she was a very athletic type. She uh, would do that challenge where you do... um All of these things that are the same number as your birth year. So like on her 50th birthday, she like swam 50 laps, biked 50 miles, um, lifted, did like 50 repetitions of 50 pound weights or something like this. Um I know that the 50 laps on the biking 50 miles was right but she did I mean this was like how she spent her whole freaking day you can gather my opinion on this and I mean I can see that and she was really proud of herself for being able to do that and part of the point is of course you know as you continue to age you only have to do more <laughs> and so yeah I mean I, she was proud of herself and I was proud of her and congratulated her but I thought you know what a horrible way to spend your birthday this is um not where I live I am in the uh on the side of the campfire where your birthday is a day of indulgence and celebration uh and if I'm going to be doing a lot of running and biking I will do that on a day that isn't my birthday So I decided I am not going to do reflective podcast on my birthday because then I would sort of feel an onus to do it every year. And a lot of years I would rather have a mimosa or a Bloody Mary for breakfast and not have to be podcasting. Not that I don't enjoy it. I do, but you know what I mean? So David drove me into town yesterday and I used my Starbucks birthday gift to get a chocolate croissant, major indulgence. And I also had a reward, so I got a venti latte, not pumpkin spice, it wasn't quite there yet. Uh, And uh, (laughs) I was thinking I should have asked, because sometimes they have it early, but I didn't. They're going to be out Tuesday, I'm going to get one on Tuesday. So, because of those, I got both of those things for free, so that was cool. And then I came home. I didn't run yesterday and I came home and I got flowers from my mom. And then I answered a bunch of Facebook congratulations and I got some writing done. I didn't quite hit word count yesterday, but I got over 8,000 Monday and Tuesday. And yesterday I just got to like 2,300 words. So um, I think I can make it up today and tomorrow. The, The book is going fairly well, although I have no idea Karen is going to get them out of this situation. It's, um, it is is dire, people. It is dire indeed. Actually, I have a couple of ideas, but I don't know if she can pull it off. We shall see. This is part of the joy of my process that I just really have no idea how she's going to do this. Uh, and then last night, I went out to Coyote Cantina, which is a rooftop can. Uh, down by the Historic Plaza and I really like it. They have this um, summer drink that's a cucumber-infused vodka. Uh, It's not too sweet. It's really a delicious one. I had two of those. That was very good. And I met up with Dorinda Jones who drove up from Portales with her sister Annette and also Minerva Spencer came down from Taos and Megan Mulry. Uh, came over after she finished with her pesky day job and we had drinks and we had food and talked writer things and that was super fun and then Dorinda and Annette and I went over to the Jean Cocteau Theatre George R. R. Martin's Theatre and we saw Mary Robinette Cole and John Scalzi talk about their new releases and they interviewed each other for two hours. They talked for a solid two hours, and they said a lot of very interesting things. Um, I like both of them; uh, they're both entertaining people. And Mary's new book is about uh, female astronauts, lady astronauts, because she has it like set in the Apollo era program. So it's slightly alternate history um, of where the space program sort of goes. I don't know, maybe more accelerated. And so it's set in the 60s, but there's lady astronauts going to Mars, to the moon and to Mars. And uh, and they, they've been doing a lot of this dog and pony show lately, which was both good and bad in that they knew each other's good stories, but they also skipped a few steps uh, in talking about things. So I don't quite know all of the background on stuff. But... Um, At any rate, one of the things they were talking about was that John's most recent book, not the one that he was touring with, but the one he just turned in in June, he wrote in 14 Days, which, of course, always elicits gasps from the audience. And amusingly enough, George R. R. Martin was there and announced that he hates John Scalzi. So for those of you who get that inside joke, uh, it was a pretty amusing moment. Uh, But it turned out that John says he did it. Well, it's hard to tell. He's one of those people who um, makes sort of self-deprecating jokes where he refers to himself as lazy, Uh, and you know he's not. So I'm not exactly sure what the deal is, but he said that he suddenly realized his deadline was June 17th and that he had been screwing around, and here it was June, and he had 14 days to finish the book, so he told his wife to slide food under the door and locked himself in the office. Uh, so it makes for a good tale. And I, I have no doubt that he wrote all those words in 14 days. Um, Dorinda's written a full novel in a week, um, pretty much by staying up all night. Uh, and he doesn't outline like Dorinda does. So she, I mean, she'll spend months making a 100-page outline, but uh, he does not outline whereas Mary does, but he also it's sort of deceptive to say, I sat down and wrote this book in fourteen days because, yeah, you may have laid down all the words, but he was one of the things he was talking about is that he thinks about his books for like a year before he writes them, uh, and one thing that he said that I thought was very interesting was. Uh, Someone in the audience, when they were taking questions, asked the inevitable question, where do you get your ideas? Which is something that aspiring writers always want to know and is very difficult for professional authors to answer because the glib answer is always ideas are everywhere. I get ideas all the time. The trick is writing the book. Which is true at face value, but it's also an incredibly unhelpful answer because... That's, you know, yeah, you get a lot of ideas, but there's a process through which ideas become a story. And that's really what people need to know. And Mary gave a good answer to that too. And she she talked about that that's really what the question is. is like, how do you know what the good ideas are and how do you refine them to make them into a story? Uh, because people with super successful books... Have been asked if they knew it was or that it was going to be good, that it was going to be that big of an idea, and a lot of times they say yes. Um, Suzanne Collins said she knew the Hunger Games was an amazing idea uh, you know, so that's part of it is you want to know like what is an amazing idea so anyway, I really liked Scalzi's answer to the question because he said, if he gets an idea. He thinks about it, but he doesn't write it down. Which is very interesting because almost every writer I know is somewhat obsessive about writing down their ideas as soon as they have them. And he says if it's still there in the morning, he thinks about it some more, but he still doesn't write it down. And if it's still there a month later, he thinks about it. And he says basically if an idea sticks around... Without him writing it down or doing anything about it for a year, that's when he'll put it seriously into his head and start cooking it. And I could really see how that is, how that would work. Because I will sometimes, sometimes I write down ideas and I go back and I look at it like my notes and then I'll think, this is like nothing. It's either... And I often think that I didn't write it down adequately. But I think instead it's because it was like a fleeting idea and wasn't really all that powerful. Whereas there is one book idea that I had years and years and years ago, and I haven't written it. I kind of got quashed on writing it initially, which I regret um, because I think it's a really good idea. But it... um It got quashed by my editor because it was in yet another genre. And she did have a point because I was already writing in multiple genres and I needed to write in a new genre. Um, Yeah, see, now I'm thinking about this idea. This idea, I I did write it down. It's written down somewhere. But I don't have to go and look at those notes for this idea that just like, boom, come back to me. And I just know I'm going to write it someday. You know, and it'll probably that'll be my best-selling series, and I'll it'll be like thirty years later. <laughs> I'll I'll finally, I'll make a whole bunch of money or make a movie deal off of that book. But you know, so it goes. So it goes. You do what you can, and you write what you need to at the time. And um, but one of the Lyra gals, Erin, who is an aspiring writer, came up with her husband, and. She really, she said she got a whole lot out of what they said. Um, for me, it was a little bit—I don't want to say on the basic side—but um, they, those were the most interesting parts to me, and it was, of course, a fun evening out. So, <coughs> excuse me. And of course, everyone's in town for Bubonicon. Scalzi and Mary were at WorldCon, and they just came from San Jose to here to Albuquerque. And Bubonicon starts tomorrow. Um, I don't have to go down till Saturday morning because I don't have anything on Friday, so I'm not going to go down. I'm going to instead crank on Arrows of the Heart. Um, If I'm a super good writer, Kitty, I will get to the Act Two climax. Um, tomorrow. I could do it. It'll be a little bit of a push. But then I'm going to have four days off. I'm going to be at Crested Butte with my family. So I will um, maybe do some podcasting. Maybe get my mom and my aunt and other folks on for the cup of coffee podcast that might be entertaining. So you guys start thinking about fun things to say and uh, i heard from a few of you yesterday along with your happy birthday greetings that you're enjoying listening to the podcast so that's awesome i appreciate that I, it's nice knowing that my ramblings are fun for you uh pilar hi pilar said that she doesn't listen to it doesn't listen to it live and she's not sure of the time zones Um, actually nobody listens to it live I record this on my phone using voice memo as I'm sitting on one of my patios and then I upload it so only the kitties hear it live and you know how they are they're such critics I don't care so anyway thank you for sharing my first cup of coffee with me it's uh, always a pleasure and I hope that you all have a wonderful day And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.